This episode is sponsored by Harry's. What makes Harry's special? Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. German-engineered, five-blade cartridges, close, comfortable shave, no cuts or burns, quality guaranteed, full refund if you're not happy. Over one million guys have already made the switch, and thousands more switch every day. The Harry's starter set is an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already really low, but we've worked out a special offer for you guys. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code GRUBSTREET. Stop overpaying for a great shave and start the new year off right. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Enter code GRUBSTREET at checkout. Adam? Hang on. Just texting somebody here. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Don't mind me. All right. What are we doing? We have a problem. What is that? New York has perhaps fallen off its perch as the top food and restaurant city in America. I'm looking at a GQ, the, the latest issue of GQ right now. Says LA, Los Angeles is the most exciting food city in America. Boulder Dash. Uh, Tom Sietzma, the food critic for the Washington Post, he uh, recently ranked America's top 10 food cities. New York, dismal. Number, dismal. Number Num- eight. Number eight. Houston, number five. You know what I say to that? Boulder Dash. Lower than Houston. Boulder Dash. Lower than Philly. Boulder Dash. <laughs> uh, eaters. Editor-in-chief Amanda Clute okay. just wrote a whole piece sure. about how this was a terrible year in New York restaurants. Well, I wrote that piece, too, so I know. I'm know i with her on that you one. You seem wearier than usual. I wouldn't, yeah, I'm wearier than usual. I, I wouldn't call it a terrible year, but it's, you know, let's not put New York City in the grave quite yet, Do my friend. Do you think that we're just resigned and weary, or do you think that New York has ceded its title as the most important food city in America. Well, I, think a lot, I think a lot of things that have happened, and it's really happened, and I've written about this, so you've written about it. I think it's really happened in the last 15, 20 years, 10 years, is that a long time ago, New York was sort of the undisputed, like as New Yorkers and everything like to say, they're the best of everything, food, ballet, whatever. So New York for a long time was the place where if you wanted to make it as a restaurant, as a chef or as a restaurateur even, uh, you came here to make your reputation, right? You had the great chefs, the great superstar chefs of the 90s, uh, Jean-Georges Van Gerichten, Daniel Ballou, the whole, the whole string of, of Alsatians, of Frenchmen who came here like, like visiting popes and in the, in the sort of the empire, the, the people of the city came out, of their fur, came out in their fur coats to sort of applaud for them. And we dutifully ate foreign food that they 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 were they were proffering to us that 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 sort of very centralized new york and hinterlands beyond the hudson food wise is over these days uh, you don't have to come to new york to make your reputation anymore as a chef you can go anywhere you can go to charleston you can go to houston even god forbid you can go to la you can go to the wild you know, wilds of the greatest Chinese chef is in the somewhere in the suburban wilds of Virginia, you know, and people people will find you. And in a lot of ways, it's easier and more peaceful to do business in, in, out in the hinterlands. And so, what you have is this sort of readjustment. Well, of, 
do you think it's that these other cities have gotten better or that New York has gotten worse or I, a combination I think, of the two? I think, it's become, I think it's become harder to do business in New York for a lot of reasons. Obviously, um, the rents are high, the costs are high, the competition is just is fierce. Uh, so it's harder to do business in New York. It's harder to do sort of interesting things in New York. New York, I think, to a certain extent, is, is still the fashion capital of food. It's still where the trends are sort of... Uh, they may not develop here, but they're given their stamp of approval by legions of, of you know, scribbling writers by, like us. And, uh, you know, the, the chefs here are still very high profile, and what they do here is copied out in the hinterlands. I also think the quality of food everywhere else around the country is is is, is just wildly better than it was even even ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a joy to eat around the country. It's it's because of you know the, the, the locally grown trends. It's because there are a lot of good lot of very good practicing chefs all over the country. It's a lot of good refuge New York refugee chefs are all over the country. So I think. That's part of it. And also when you go to these places, you don't have the depth of New York. You're, go- you're always going to the restaurants that people are telling you about, whether it's New Orleans or uh, L.A. And, it, you know, there's not necessarily the depth, the depth that you have in New York. So you, th- these places stand out. But what are the complaints? The complaints are that New York restaurants are too expensive. They're too expensive. There's a certain sameness certain to a lot sameness, of the menus. sameness, a sort of a heaviness to the cooking you know, there's only so much, uh, you know, so, so many David Chang pork buns you can take in one sitting. Other cities have access to higher quality ingredients. That's not qu- quite true, but that is one of, that's what Certainly with the produce. That's what they're saying. Uh, Hudson These Valley. Hudson Valley ain't chopped liver, my friend. In January, there isn't a lot coming out of the ground. That's true. And now, a lot of our top chefs, it seems, would rather open fast food restaurants than open there's that. service restaurants. Yeah, the, 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 you know. Tom Sitzman, his piece, talked about the fine dining restaurant, the great fine dining restaurants in New York. He mentioned Laverna Day, he mentioned Danielle, he mentioned Joan George. These are old restaurants. Like, these, are, these restaurants have been around for 20, 30 years now. And when they go, when, those, when they lose their leases or the chefs get old and retire, they're not really going to get replaced. They're not being replaced by other restaurants of their stature and quality, with a few exceptions. One of them would be 11 Madison Park, which Sitzman... Uh, hammered. He didn't like it. Called so, it out specifically. Called it out specifically, hammered it, didn't like it. And one of the things that, that's happened in a place like 11 Madison is that they're, they're constantly changing their menu all the time. They just change it again in an attempt to sort of keep up with the times. And, you know, there are only pressures on these high-end restaurateurs. The, the, the restaurant like 11 Madison, they're spending their time, and to a certain extent, Le Bernadette, they're, they're, they're not trying to be New York restaurants anymore. They're trying to be global dining destinations. That's, that's a, if you want to make money in New York, that's one, of the, that's one of the gambits that you make. You say, oh, New York, it's like, huh. you know, most New Yorkers won't go to Le Bernadette unless they, you know, they'll go maybe once a year. So you, you want people to come back, come back, come back, and you want, to, you want them to come from all over the world because it's too hard to make it just as a New York restaurant. To a certain extent, but I was talking to somebody at, who works at 11 Madison Park about the mix of their dining clientele and the percentage that they said in the dining room that's from New York that's repeat business was actually much higher than you would think it would be. Maybe that's the bar they're talking about. For a restaurant like that. They might be talking about the bar. Man, eating at the bar is great there. Um, My sense is that in New York, you have this strange uh, ecosystem where you have at the top of it, you have the haves, right? And the haves are the, the big restaurant groups uh, which these days have a lot of uh, finance money behind them. But there's pressure on them because their pressure is to keep opening restaurants and keep changing and keep staying relevant and also to make a buck. 
So they're doing, they're opening two restaurants a year. They're doing fast casual. They're running around like lunatics. Then you have the mom and pops, the little guy. And there's pressure on them, obviously, for a lot of reasons. Their rents are going up. They can't, they, they can't take tips anymore. Uh, prices of everything they're selling is going up. Ingredients, everything. So there's pressure on both ends of the spectrum, and it's a, you know, it's 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 a tough go well, right now. I mean, I think that is true, but I think even the haves are having to deal with the realities of doing business in New York. I mean, you mentioned 11 Madison Park. Their prices have gone up. It includes a tip, but as of January 1st, the price did go up slightly for their taste menu. Now it's like $300 a person. For seven courses. That's and a- they cut down on the number of food. They haven't said that it's an issue of <laughs> of cost saving, but it's less food for it's the same lot. amount of money. It's a lot. It's, you know, by the way, the fancy restaurants in San Francisco and L.A. are having the same issue. It's everywhere. But- it's everywhere, but there are more of those restaurants here. It's there are hard. challenges to opening a restaurant, running a restaurant anywhere. There are different challenges depending on where you are. I'm sure that if you open a restaurant in we talked about the middle of Ohio. Yeah. We talked about this before. If you were opening a restaurant and you were a young, ambitious chef, where would you go? I would not open in New York. I, I think would, you have to be crazy I would to open get, a restaurant I would get York. so far away from New York that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't, you know, I'd be out of here. But you talk to people who have left New York and they say that, like, staffing is a problem or getting enough people in a dining room every night is a problem. You well, have to readjust yeah. to what you, busy means. Yeah, and, and I don't think... You have to yeah. you train people in a way that you don't have to here. We were seeing, like, L.A., people like to hype L.A. now, and I love eating in L.A. L.A. is fabulous. But if you're going to eat at good restaurants in L.A., you better be ready to sit in a car for a long time. And you better be ready to eat your dinner in fact, finish it before 10 o'clock. And you better be ready to go around to a lot of two-bit little malls, which otherwise you would, you know, it's, 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 a, it's just different. It's, a, it's, just, it's just a different culture. And you don't have this sort of, uh, you don't have this sort of cocoony buzz of food which surrounds people when they're in New York. And I think that's one of the great beauties of, of New York. And it's one of the great things about being a New Yorker is that you're surrounded by these opportunities to just have a good meal. Right, people are talking about the world, like, say, Michelin is talking about each international dining cities, and they, they, they tote up the number of, number of their star, silly stars that they give, whatever the hell they give people, toke stars. They tote those up, right? New York's still number one in this, in this it's number one in this country. So internationally, I, you'd have to put, you said, yeah, the, the great international dining cities are still the ones they, that, that, that they, always, they, ha, they always have been. Paris, New York, Tokyo. Tokyo has to be my favorite dining city. I think it's the, clearly the best dining city in the world. It's, we're still there. It's still top five in the world. So how can I not be top five in the US, United States? Answer me this question. Answer me this question. Number, Answer me this number question. Number eight. Number eight? What, what kind of crack are we smoking here? What do we have to do to be number one? It's 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 not it's not happening anymore. It's like the the context, the whole context for judging the dining cities is is changed. There are thousands of wonderful places to eat all over the city, all over the country now. The number one New York number one doesn't really work anymore. It just doesn't work. You know, you, there's a lot of places you can get you can get as good food in all of these cities that are on all these lists as you can in New York. It's just a question of variety, density, culture history that just the you know it's a different we're still swimming in the biggest tank here so I, there are a lot of factors there you know but i don't know if new york is number eight number maybe, eight maybe we can talk to the guy well let's funny talk, you should mention that let's, let's let's like let's like get that guy in here and let's let's ask him some pointed let's questions. turn to the source now let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor harry's 
Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. I think any guy who's ever been to a drugstore to buy razor blades know that it's sort of a hassle. They cost a lot of money. You have to, like, open that weird plastic alarm thing that tends to go off or they keep them behind the counter. It's just it's a real pain. Uh, But Harry's cuts that out with its German-engineered five-blade cartridges that have factory direct prices. They cut out the middleman. Harry's ships right to your door sells the blade at half the price of the leading brand. Over 1 million guys have already made the switch and thousands more switch every day. Why pay $32 for an 8-pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com? The Harry's starter set is an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already low, but we've worked out a special offer. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code GRUBSTREET. Stop overpaying for a great shave and start the new year off right. Go to harrys.com right now. That's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Enter code GRUBSTREET at checkout. So on the show today, uh, we have a guest, a very special guest, uh, Washington Post's food critic Tom Sietzma, no relation, is here. Uh, because he just published this list of the 10 best food cities in America. Uh, it was a great list, a very interesting piece. But New York City was ranked number eight. Eight. Scandal. Very low. Shock, really. Tom, please explain yourself. I mean, we're still recovering the shock waves that rippled through the community here. Just like, are <laughs> well, you, listen, are you listen, kidding it, me? It was a shock to me, too, because, you know, shame on any of us going into a story thinking we know how it's going to end, Right. And I thought for sure when I started this project that, that New York was, just by virtue of the fact that you have so many people and 45,000 restaurants, 200 different cuisine styles, I thought for sure New York was going to come out on top as well. But, you know, as I, as I went through the different cities, I visited 12 altogether, only ranked 10. Um, but I just found uh, more, more, more joy, a little bit more creativity, um, some really good things in some other markets. And um, in my defense, I did spend uh, 10 straight days in New York. I, I went to almost 50, over 50 places, bars, restaurants, shops, um, before I submitted that particular survey. In general, I went to 35 uh, restaurant shops, bars, farm markets per city and spent about a week in every one of the cities that I visited. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's enough to drive anybody insane. It was a little crazy. Um, as, as I was saying earlier today, um, there was one night where I went to four four-star restaurants in New York and capped it off with a Sprinkles cupcake from an ATM dispenser. Lord have I, I mercy. I resist that on the way back to my hotel. Lord I don't know mercy. if you should be judging New York on our cupcake vending machines. I think that that's an unfair. <laughs> don't you think? Don't you think? I mean, you say the dirty little secret among some food writers, and I think it's not just some. I think it's quite quite a few of us, is that they'd rather eat in places other than New York right now. I think that's true, but I also think it's true. I mean, maybe tell me if you don't agree. Is that New York has been New York for a while, and these other cities have really, in the last ten or fifteen years, just blossomed up. I think you're absolutely right. I think New York has taught a lot of cities. You know, you, have, you need to step up your game. And other cities, um, my own included, have really stepped up their game in the last few years. It's harder to find a bad cocktail. It's harder to find uh, a bad salad. It's easier to find good bread around the country in markets, not just on the east or west coast, 
but also north and south and in flyover country. Have New Yorkers been the most vocal about their placement on your list? Because it has been a few weeks since it was published now, about a month. And uh... Well, actually, the people have been most... Uh, the most interviews I've done have been with people in Philadelphia and Portland and, uh, you, know, you know, places that, that were high on the list. Houston, I guess, which was another big surprise. If New York was, was a surprise for being lower on the list, Houston was a surprise to me for being high on the list. Yeah, it was a surprise to me, too. So how, how do you justify that? Houston was the city I went into knowing the least about. And um, I had some really good guides down there. I had some good historians down there. Um, I think what they're doing, their Asian food is really good. They have a very large Indian population there. Um, somebody told me that if L.A. and New Orleans had a baby, it would be Houston. And I certainly felt that way when I was there, um, given the, the, the climate and the dishes that I saw on the menus there. Um, and, and, and immigrant populations that are so important, I think, to making a good food food community. I think the good food tends to to stand out in a place like Houston, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in a place like New York, it's just a blur. And I think what you say about the uh, middle class communities, the really rooted middle class communities, are really the key to the, those kinds of Mex- great Mexican cuisine, to great uh, Vietnamese cuisine, to Chinese. Mm-hmm. And in, the, in, in, in New York, those communities are vibrant, but also transient. So you get chefs moving in, moving out, moving in, moving out. The restaurants stay, but the quality goes up and down. But there's still just thousands of them. And I think when you go to a place like Houston, actually any of these other places on the list, the, the good food is, is, is stands out a little more. Sure, yeah. I mean, I can appreciate that. But like, as I said sort of repeatedly in my story, too, more is not necessarily more all the time. Just because you have more of something doesn't make it better. I, I did find that to be true in, in places like L.A., where they have a very large Japanese population. And, and what's interesting in L.A., too, you know, L.A. is known for having one fine dining restaurant, and that's Providence. You know, Spago might be, you know, a little bit further down. It's a little more accessible, I guess. But people think nothing of dropping triple digits on a really exquisite Japanese dinner uh, in Studio City, for instance, you know. Um, it's not that they're not willing to pay for it. They just don't want. To, they just want to dine in a, on a casual level. They don't want to have to dress up. They don't need the linens. They don't need all that la di da. I think I agree. Come back at this guy. I agree. You got to come back at. That's it. the thing that's funny come about on, this, Admiral. though, is that with the New York placement, I think that in previous years, if you had written this, people would have been up in arms, especially here. But the reaction that I've heard since the list and the story are out is sort of this, this. Acceptance, this resigned oh, acceptance come to it, on, that come New on. York maybe all, could be a little more. First exciting. of all, Mister, no, listen. Ma- the thing that surprised me the most—I mean, I, I was braced, uh, <laughs> braced for. for um, we also have. For, we also have. Li- yeah, we have list fatigue, by the way, too. So that's part okay. of the deal. Like okay. everybody, like, oh my, me. Not me. Al- Alan, my my Alan here is like he's actually like he's like he's all. Being a, being a child of the internet, he's all like focused on it. And he's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of reaction. I only absorb information. Oh my god, this is the list. Thing. Here's the thing: I had I, I got so many emails from people, New Yorkers, either who had moved away and were still going back, or people in New York saying, "Yeah, I think you're right." And another thing that I think is really important is is that the, you know the food media is concentrated in New York, and and they have a vested interest in making sure that. That New York is central and discussed and important. 
Back when I was writing out in San Francisco in the 90s, we used to say that trends start on the West Coast and they're nurtured on the East Coast. But I think all those things are sort of blurring now and that trends um, travel at this lightning speed. And, and, and what I did see in this, in this series is a lot of sameness on menus, too. People are, are very eager to see uh, pork belly and kale and those things on their menus. Um, there was a lot of sameness that I God. saw. Still pork belly? Still with the I pork know, belly? right? Just yeah. let's end it this. It lives on, just like let's, small plates. Let's just, let's end this pork belly madness. Cities aside, and your journey all over this country of ours, what was the was there one dish or one restaurant that really stood out to you as the place that you wanted to go back to or or try again immediately? Or three dishes? Give us three restaurants or three oh, dishes. Three dishes. Yeah. Um, I thought the shrimp and grits across the board were really good in Charleston. I know that's a, that, that's an easy one, but it's this dish that gets done all over the country, and no one does it better than. Hominy Grill in Charleston. That is a beautiful. I've had that. that. Is a beautiful dish. You know, it's really beautiful. the standard bearer. Right. Um, I'm thinking of a sushi restaurant. Some of the best Japanese food I've had in this country was at Nakazawa. Yeah. Hmm. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't know. Really? Hmm. You know what um, city that's in? Hmm. In Manhattan, <laughs> right? Did they? When you went there, did they bring the uni in a, in a the sea urchin in a in a sort of a basket with the spikes, and you get to pick it out? They did. Awesome. Yes. That is awesome. And they introduced me to my condiments ahead of eating, which is kind of fun. That's pretty good. I've never seen that. I thought yeah. that was a nice little touch. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and then for fine dining, I, I loved Quince. I loved everything about Quince in San Francisco. I know everyone talks about Benu out there, but Quince, for me, just epitomized what fine dining should be and why it costs so much. I mean, there were dishes that had their own bread courses, and they, they have a full-time glass polisher on staff. Oh, for God's sake. Because of sakes. all the, the crazy stemware that exists. For God's Alan, have you, been, have you been to Quince? It's kind Alan? of fun. Have you been to Quince? I have not. Part of the problem is we New York writers, well, certainly we New York magazine writers, we are, we are mired in our, in our great, uh, great food capital. We don't get out much. Well, I thought the thing that struck me most about the list, because I, like I said, I had been feeling this way, and I thought, you know, maybe I'm just getting weary, and I've been in New York too long. And then to have somebody who is familiar with the city, but, you know, is not here all the time kind of reinforce those ideas it was just it was a wake-up call so you, it was a wake-up you, you call. would actually put new york number eight on a top 10 food city Having, list the- i think regardless of where we rank it's time to get back up there i think it's a it's a call to arms there should be no doubt in people's uh, minds i think i think we're up there I, I just think perceptions have changed a little bit it used to be that New York was really sort of just uh, sort of a bazaar and a melting pot, but New York really has this sort of uh, its own sort of uh, taste profile now, which I think, which was a you know, sort of the the David Chang, April Bloomfield. There's a lot of heavy, the food's very heavy here. To get people's attention, the chefs here have to just like layer on the salt and the butter and the chops. You, you get weary of it after a while. What, what struck me was the. Um is too strong, but maybe lack of creativity. And I, again, I think that's Ooh. tied. Ow! Ow! Well, compared to some of the other cities that I went to, I, I, I have to say right. in 2015, right. during the 10 days that I went to New York, right. I was sort of struck by, um, by places, you know, whose food, I've, you know, the food that I've had in other cities, it tasted better maybe because yeah. of the ingredients, maybe because of the techniques used on those ingredients yeah. in other cities as opposed to New York. Yeah, I mean, New York is, I think, and I've written this, you probably know, it's, New York is pretty much of a meat and potatoes town. 
you know. A lot of that is tradition. Some of it is, I, mean, I think, creativity. You're right. Uh, restaurateurs here, restaurant people, they're, they're loath to take chances because the stakes are pretty high. So They sure are. You, have, yeah. you do have this, uh, like, what, what's worked in the past, let's hope it works now, and they keep recycling it. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right. Well, is this going to be an annual tradition? Are you going to be scurrying around the country can every I, year? Can I, can I come next time? I don't think my liver can take <laughs> it. <laughs> what was your favorite? I what, think, what, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I was so... Um, Pleased that the, the post let me do this, um, but sixty days on the road and wow. almost three hundred meals, wow. and then doing my day job too. You need a medal. It was, it was challenging. What was your favorite uh, cocktail? Your favorite drinking city? Well, I think New Orleans, just because it's it, it you know, it's, it's hard to find a bad drink in New Orleans. And what's interesting about New Orleans, I, I thought it was I was going to go back and find fusty good old New Orleans. And what's what, what's happened since Katrina is a lot of do-gooders and others have come to the city, and brought with them a lot from New York, by the way, and brought with them their food traditions. So mm. now you can get really good Neapolitan pizza mm. and and really good Israeli food in New Orleans and. Who'd have thunk, you yeah. know, just a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, in addition to this really great traditional uh, um, Louisiana food for which the city is known. Hmm. All right. Well, we got to take a trip. We'll meet you down there. Uh, we're com- I, I we're coming. I look forward to that. Yeah. I'll buy the drinks. We're, com- <laughs> we're, we're coming next time. So there you have it from the expert. He says things could be a little better. But you know what? I'm hopeful. We have a lot of fun, good, interesting-sounding new restaurants opening we already have. Who cares about new restaurants? Nobody. What's going to change? They just stop with the new. I don't know. There's a lot of good restaurants here. It's a great dining city. Don't be hooked on the new with the internet now, next minute, next oh, second. Oh, there it is. There it is. I'm hopeful that this is the year that there will be some new ideas and some, some fresh things that we haven't seen before. Don't count on it. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> And on that note, this has been the Grub Street Podcast. Uh, my thanks again to our guest, Tom Sietzma of The Washington Post, food critic at The Washington Post, and uh, our producer, Sam Digman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with another new episode. In the meantime, as always, tell your friends if you like this, or even if you don't like it, tell them you like it. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe, and um, thanks for listening. <laughs>